In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the third Sunday of the Coptic month, Amshir. And as you know, for each month, there is a theme. And the theme of this month is Eucharistia, Eucharist, Communion. And the reading of the first three Sundays of Amshir is taken from John chapter 6 because this is a very important chapter regarding the Eucharist, regarding communion, the sacrament of communion. And the sequence of event as follows. The Lord Jesus Christ actually fed the multitude from five loaves and two fish. And this was the Gospel of last Sunday. And after he fed the multitude from five loaves and two fish, the people thought to take Jesus and force him to be king. Because if he was able to feed 5,000 men other than the children and women from five loaves and two fish, now if he became their king, then he can solve any problem. They will have the best economy, there will be no uh, financial problem. He, he can do miracles like this. So the Lord actually ran away from them because he did not come to be an earthly king. And he went to the mountain to pray. And after this, he went to the other side of the sea with his disciples. So the multitude started to search for him and did not find him. Finally, they crossed the sea and they found Jesus with the disciples. So they asked him, where did you come here? And the Lord told them, assuredly I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs and you believed, but because you ate from the bread and you were filled. Labor for the food which perishes, but for the food, labor not for the food that perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life. And this was the gospel of the first Sunday, when the Lord told them, Why are you seeking me? And many times we are seeking the Lord Jesus Christ for earthly things what we eat, what we drink, what we wear. Although he told us, don't worry about these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. So the Lord told them, do not labor for the food that perishes. Do not labor doesn't mean do not work for it. No, we need actually to earn our food. But he means don't be just preoccupied and overwhelmed by this and forgetting the food that endures to eternal life. You need to focus more on the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And while actually we are working or laboring for the food that perishes here, you are doing this while your mind is set on heavenly things, not on earthly things. 
So the church today took this verse and started the gospel of today. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures everlasting life. And he indicated that this food that endures to everlasting life will be given by the Son of Man. No one will give it to us except the Lord Jesus Christ, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father had set his seal on him. Then the multitude start to ask the Lord some question. And the first question actually they asked him is a surprise to all of us. Because they asked him, uh, what do you do? What sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? I'm surprised to read this question because the day before, just one day before, he fed the multitude from five loaves and two fish. And now they are asking him, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? And in order to understand why they asked this question, although one day before they were filled, although they were more than 5,000 persons, and they were fed by five loaves and two fish, they told him, our fathers ate the manna in the desert, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So, the message they want to rely to him, you did this miracle once, and you refused to be our king. Do you remember how Moses fed the multitude 40 years in the wilderness of Sinai from bread that came down from heaven? And you refused to be our king? Why don't you do like Moses and feed us for 40 years from heavenly bread or bread that comes down from heaven? Moses did it. If you are, uh, if you want us to believe in you, then do like Moses did. Don't do this miracle only once uh, like what you did yesterday. So the Lord Jesus Christ told them, this food that Moses gave you, your fathers ate the manna and they died. But the true food that endures to eternal life, I will give it to you. So here the Lord told them, I'm, I'm not going to give you food to eat it and you die like the Israelites in the wilderness of Sinai. But I will give you food that endures to eternal life. Of course, they were happy to, to hear this. This means we will eat of this food and we will not die. The Lord is speaking spiritual. They are thinking earthly. So they told him, Lord, give us this bread always. We need to eat from this bread that actually endures to eternal life. And to their surprise, the Lord actually pointed to himself and said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. And when actually he pointed to himself and said, I am the bread of life, 
they were confused how he is the bread of life. And they start to complain and said, uh, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? So they did not accept this teaching. And uh, they start to say, what did he mean that he came down from heaven? And the Lord actually started to explain to them. And he told them, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. So he told them, yes, I came down from heaven because I am eternal with the Father. But in the fullness of time, I was born from St. Mary the Virgin. And I came in order to save the people from the bondage of sin and to give you my flesh and my blood to eat it and to drink it so you can live forever. But again, the Jews did not accept this teaching. So the Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then the Lord actually replied to this question, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And he told them, Most assuredly I say to you, unless, and unless here is a condition, it's a condition, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, You have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. He who feeds on me will live because of me. بالعربي من يأكلني من يأكلني يحيى بي He who feeds on me will live because of me Definitely they did not accept this teaching and they said this is a hard saying who can understand it and we read that from that time many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. So they left him. They said, this man lost his mind. He's saying, I give you my flesh and my blood to eat and drink. This hard saying, who can accept it? And the Lord found only the twelve with him. Everybody else left him. After they wanted to take him and appoint him as a king, they left him. Then the Lord asked the disciples, do you also want to go away? He asked the twelve, Do you want to go away? But Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we know and we believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So, what can we understand from all these verses? Number one, we understand that what 
we eat in communion is the real body and the real blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this actually was the faith of the church in the whole world, in the whole world, East and West, until the 16th century. Until the 16th century, everyone, if you read the writings of the fathers in the East and the West, everyone say it is the real body and the real blood. But here I want you to understand why now there are some denominations reject uh, that this is the real body and real blood and say it is just a symbol. Although for 16 centuries, 1,600 years in the East and the West, everyone actually believed this is the body of the Lord Jesus Christ and this is the blood of Lord Jesus Christ. In order to understand, I need to give you some historical background. The main difference between the East and West in theology, the West, they follow what we call scholastic theology, scholastic theology. The East follow what we call mystical theology, mystical, mystery. Mystery, mysterium in Greek. So, what is the difference between the scholastic theology and the mystical theology? Mystical theology, they will tell you it is above and beyond my understanding. It's a mystery, it's a mysterion. So, if the Lord said, this is my blood, then it is his blood. This is my body, then it is his body. But the scholastic theology, they are interested to understand the process, to analyze everything and to understand it. So, in the West, they start to say, what is the process? How the bread changes into the body of Jesus Christ? How? And how the wine changes into the blood of Jesus Christ? They are speaking about the process. How? If you, is, if you ask somebody from the East, he, they will tell you, how? I don't know. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. We believe that the bread changed into the body and the wine changed into the blood. But I cannot describe the process. It is a mystery. In the West, they actually introduced a term to describe the process. And this term is the term of transubstantiation. Transubstantiation. Meaning what transubstantiation? Means the substance change, not the form. If the form change, they will call it transformation. But because the substance change, then it is, they call it transubstantiation. In the Orthodox Church, we don't use this term because it's a mystery. We don't describe the process. So, when Martin Luther actually uh, split from the Catholic Church, he rejected the term transubstantiation. 
and he introduced another term which is consubstantiation. Consubstantiation. Consubstantiation means there is no change, but it is equal to the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, until now, the Lutheran Church doesn't believe in transubstantiation, but they believe in consubstantiation. And this opened the door to those who came after Martin Luther, like Carvin with Quingley, to actually say it is just a symbol. When you eat from this bread and, and blood uh, and drink from this wine, then actually you are in, in communion with Christ, but it is just a symbol. It's not the real body and real blood. And the interesting thing, if you read the, the story or the life of Martin Luther, uh, before he died, he asked for communion, because Martin Luther was an, a Catholic monk. And they asked him on the bed of his death, so do you believe it is the real body and real blood? And Martin Luther answered and said, if Jesus said it is my real body and my, my, my body's food indeed and my blood is drink indeed, then it is his real body and his real blood. So after all this confusion that he caused, now on the bed of his uh, death, he confessed it is real body and real blood. And this story actually in the books of the Lutheran Church, the, the life of Martin Luther. So this teaching that it is just a symbol it is a very new teaching. And this was actually because they rejected the term transubstantiation that was introduced by the Catholic Church in the West. But for us, the Orthodox, we don't use the term transubstantiation, but we use the term change. It's a mystery. The bread and the wine change in a mystical way into the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And all the verses that I read here, uh, my body is food indeed, my blood is drink indeed, in John chapter 6, very clear. The Lord say it very, very clear. And also I want to tell you something. After the Lord taught this, many people said it is hard saying. Hard saying. And from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Let me ask a question. Jesus want actually to send the people away or to bring them to the knowledge of God. Definitely he want to bring them to the knowledge of God, not to send them away. So if he meant that he will give the body and blood in a symbolic way, not a real way, what would he do? Definitely when he started seeing the multitude leaving him and going back, he will tell them, wait, wait. I didn't mean it real body and real blood. What I mean is just a symbol. Don't take it uh, uh, literally. But the Lord didn't do this, which means as if the Lord said, this is the true teaching. What I will give you, 
I will give you my real body and my real blood. Take it or leave it. That's what you need to believe in. If you don't believe in, if you want to go away, go away. That's why he said to the disciples, to the twelve disciples, do you also want to go away? Do you want also to go away? So either to to believe what I am going to give you is my real body and my real blood, or if you want to go away, go away. But Peter told him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So the first lesson from the gospel of today, we need to know what we eat and what we drink is indeed the real body and real blood. But the Lord gave it to us uh, under the, the, under, uh, like bread and wine. So what we see and what we eat is bread and wine, although it changed in a mystical way into the real body and real blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and and St. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he actually confirmed this teaching and he said, I will deliver you what I learned from the Lord himself. And he spoke about you know, communion is the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, and said, if you eat from it unworthily, the person will be guilty of the body and the blood. So do you think if I am eating just bread and wine, that's what I eat, bread and wine, do you think St. Paul would say you will be guilty of the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ? And he said that's why if you partake unworthily, that's why among you some are weak, some are ill, sick, and some dies. So can you imagine if I'm eating just from bread and, and wine, I will die or I will get weak or sick because I am eating just of real mere body, mere sorry, bread and, and mere wine? Definitely not. How we partake from the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. We need actually, as St. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we need to partake of his body and his blood worthily. What the word worthily means? Means repenting, living the life of repentance. That's why St. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, so the person should examine himself and thus he eats of the body and drinks of the blood. Should examine. This process of examination is the repentance and the confession. Repentance and confession. Why I'm saying repentance and confession? Maybe some of you will tell me it's enough just to repent to the Lord. Why should I go and confess my sins in the sacrament of confession? Do you have any uh, evidence from the Bible about this teaching? Yes. Let us go to the Last Supper on Covenant Thursday. The Lord actually surprised after Supper, after the ate the Passover, then actually the Lord started washing the feet of the disciples. Washing the feet of the disciples. If he was doing it as a sign of welcoming or greeting, 
it should be done actually once they entered, not after the Passover. So the tradition to wash the feet as a sign of welcoming your guest, once he arrived to the house, you wash his feet. But the scenario here, they ate already the Passover, then the Lord washed their feet. Then this washing is not just welcoming a guest. It has a deeper meaning. And the Lord said to Peter, you do not understand what I am doing right now, but you will understand later. Which means washing their feet has a deeper meaning. Deeper meaning than just welcoming the guest. Peter refused completely. And he said to the Lord, you shall not wash my feet. You will not do it. So the Lord told him, that's your choice. But if I don't wash your feet, you have no portion with me. You have no portion with me. لا يكون لك نصيب So Peter, when he saw it very serious like this, he told him, Lord, not only my feet, wash my head, wash my hand, wash me all. You know, I want to have portion with you. But the Lord told him, no, he who is bathed doesn't need except to wash his feet. So what, what this dialogue means? Bathing here means what? Washing the feet means what? Bathing means baptism. So the Lord is telling them, if you are baptized, then when you commit a sin, you don't need to be baptized again. But all what you need to wash your feet, which is repentance and confession. And I will explain why I'm saying confession. Repentance and confession. Because when we walk, our feet get dirty. So washing our feet means living the life of repentance, getting rid of the dirt that actually cling to our feet in the journey of our life. So in the journey of our life, what clings to us? Our sins. So we need to wash these sins before taking communion. And the Lord said to Peter, if I don't wash your feet, which means if your sins will not be washed, you have no portion with me. You cannot partake of my body and my blood. And after the Lord washed their feet, then he gave them his body and his blood. And he told them, take it. This is my body. And take drink. This is my blood of the new covenant. Then after he finished, he told them, as I washed your feet, go and wash the feet of others. So here the Lord gave them the authority. We said washing the feet means washing the sins. So he told them, as I washed your feet, go and wash the feet of others. As I forgive your sins before taking communion, go and forgive the sins of others in order for them to be able to take communion. Then after his resurrection, the Lord made it very clear. He breathed in the face of the disciples and told them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. 
So he made it very clear, you have now the authority to forgive sins. So the apostles and their successors, they forgive sin by the authority and by the work of the Holy Spirit. That's why in the absolution, Abuna says, let your servant be absolved from my mouth by the Holy Spirit. So who does the absolution? It is the Holy Spirit. But it is announced and proclaimed on the mouth of the priest. Let them be absolved from my mouth by the Holy Spirit. And in the Divine Liturgy, if you focus, there are many, many absolutions are prayed during the Divine Liturgy for the people who are taking communion. So, in order actually to partake of the body and the blood worthily, we need actually to repent, to confess our sins, to receive the absolution, and thus we can partake of the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then actually, after the church in these three Sundays spoke to us about the communion and its importance, the fourth Sunday, but this year we will not read it because next Sunday is the pre-fast Sunday and has a special reading. But if there was an extra Sunday before the great fast, the, the reading of the fourth Sunday is very beautiful. It is actually the visit of our Lord Jesus Christ to Zacchaeus. So when we take communion, we receive the Lord Jesus Christ. We are united with him. We abide in him and he abides in us. So it is like the visit of our Lord Jesus Christ to the house of Zacchaeus. And he said, today salvation has come to this house. So when we partake from the body and blood worthily after we repent and we confess our sins, then the Lord will pro- proclaim and announce today salvation happened to this house. So this month the church is focusing on the Eucharist. It is very important for our eternal salvation. Unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no eternal life abiding in you. And as I said, unless is a condition. So unless you eat my body and drink my blood, then you have no eternal life. Let's examine our life and let us see how we partake. Many people actually, many, many people partake of communion. But how many of them partake of it worthily? How many of us partake while we repenting and after we confess our sins? St. John Chrysostom has a homily about this, that he is concerned about people who partake from the body and the blood unworthily. Unworthily. So we need, actually, it's a warning for us. We need to examine ourselves. This warning should not intend that you stop partaking from the body and blood, but rather we should examine ourselves carefully before partaking from the body and the blood, repenting and confessing our sins. Thus, we will eat from the bread of life which endures to eternal life. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. Oh,